0: Hi everyone, welcome to our fourth Universalist service video. My name is Reverend Skyler Vogel. I'm the senior minister here. I use he, him pronouns and I'm so glad to be with you for this this service video experience. What follows are selections from the worship on November 7th, 2021. You will hear first a reading and then my reflection and then a discussion between myself and our Director of Religious Education, Ember Kelly, where we talk about the theme of the service and go a little deeper together. You're invited to check out these videos every single week, uh, as well as our audio podcast, which covers them as well, posted on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and any of your favorite podcast streaming sites. Now, if you like what you see, and we, we hope you do, we hope you'll leave a positive review, a like, a comment, share, or subscribe to help spread our fourth Universalist message a little further. Finally, as part of our commitment to the eighth principle, to our anti-racist and anti-oppression work, we acknowledge that our community, Fourth Universalist, is located on the land of the Muncie Lenape people. This acknowledgement is part of our effort to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression. We hope you join us in this work. Thank you again for watching, for being part of our Fourth Universalist community. We hope you enjoy our video.
1: today is by the 20th century Unitarian Universalist religious educator, Sophia Lyon Foss. Foss was responsible for modernizing our traditions, schooling for children and youth, exposing them to themes of social justice and world religions. Here are her words on the theme of belief. It matters what we believe. Some beliefs are like walled gardens. They encourage exclusiveness and the feeling of being especially privileged. Other beliefs are expansive and lead the way into wider and deeper sympathies. Some beliefs are like shadows, clouding children's days and fears of unknown calamities. Other beliefs are like sunshine, blessing children with the warmth of happiness. Some beliefs are divisive, separating saved from unsaved, friends from enemies. Other beliefs are bonds in a world community where sincere differences beautify the pattern. Some beliefs are like blinders shutting off the power to choose one's own direction. Other beliefs are like gateways opening wide vistas for exploration. Some beliefs work in, uh, sorry, some beliefs weaken a person's adulthood. No, oh my goodness. Some beliefs weaken a person's selfhood. They blight the growth of resourcefulness. Other beliefs nurture self-confidence and enrich the feeling of personal worth. Some beliefs are rigid like the body of death, impotent in a changing world. Other beliefs are pliable like the young sapling, ever growing with the upward thrust of life.
0: Father, will you pray with me? This was an anxiety producing question for me. I was sitting in a small beige room. The curtain was closed to the window with a small bed light that gave the room an evening feel even though it was mid morning. I sat on a simple wooden padded chair pulled out from the hallway Next to me was the room's occupant, an 87-year-old woman living in a skilled nursing facility. A crucifix hung over her bed, rosary beads on the side of her table. She was a devout Catholic. And unfortunately for her, she had me as her chaplain that morning. I always struggled with being called Father, not because I think inherently poorly about the title, But because I wasn't one, the woman asking me to pray believed I was a Catholic priest. And this happened a lot. I had the option, of course, to correct people, correct her. But telling them that I was not a priest and not even Catholic, it just made everything complicated. It sowed confusion. It centered things on me and would visibly disappoint them when they found out. My supervisor, an actual Catholic father, advised me to not even bother, to not tell people. It just makes things messy, he said. But the harder part of her request, Father, please pray with me, was the prayer itself. Maybe because those words were supposed to come out of my mouth specifically, rather than somebody else. And in that context when someone asked me to pray with them they were asking me to say the lord's prayer now i know the lord's prayer and i knew it then all my relatives were lutheran so the lord's prayer i knew it from the start of my childhood from a very early age and i could say it easily and i could say it convincingly but i didn't believe it that was the problem and I didn't like its paternalistic gendered language either. I was after all a Unitarian Universalist, and I was largely humanist, and I liked being able to change words to fit the times. Now I can find power in prayer. I can find meaning in language from the Christian tradition. I can be inspired by using the word God, but I did not believe in that prayer in the literal sense and not certainly like she assumed. It felt like a question of authenticity to me and integrity, was I who I said I was? The woman that morning looked at me expectedly. She was laying down where she spent most of her time now, on a medical bed with lights and monitors and guardrails to help her get up when she had to. I knew that she and most of her neighbors had very few visits. Sometimes the chaplain would be the only one each day, if they made it, outside of the medical staff, who were busy with their checklists and tests, hardly asking them how they were. The woman, as she asked me to pray, reached out her hand. It was a hand that trembled and shook from age and ailments. A hand with bent fingers, crooked from years of arthritis. It was a hand that was looking for human touch, for the warmth of somebody else. Human touch that she didn't perceive at any other time. Touch that would be a counterweight to the cold machinery and institutional medicine and the practical hands that moved her back and forth the nurses. So despite my misgivings, I took her hand and we began to pray. She closed her eyes and sunk into a calm comfort, listening to the words that she had heard since her childhood so long ago. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I prayed that day, not because I suddenly believed, not because a light shone down and the truth was revealed, but because I again remembered the words of my supervisor. I had gone to him again, worried and anxious, shortly before. I asked him, how can I say these things that I don't believe? Am I being true to myself or false? Am I making a mockery of your religion? transgressing a boundary, posing as someone sacred to the Catholic Church. He had thought about it when I asked. I was his first Unitarian Universalist student, after all. He was unfamiliar with our particular strange brand of religion. You know more about Unitarian Universalism than me, of course, he said, but I think From what you've told me, that you all are supposed to care more about love than beliefs. And from a Catholic perspective, I can tell you this. If you're worried about offending God, don't be. God doesn't care what you believe. God cares what's in your heart. He sees you trying to care for his people and knows you are doing his work. His love is in you and working through you whether you think it is or not, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. So it doesn't matter if I don't believe any of it, I asked. No, he said, it does not. You don't think an all-powerful God can be so thwarted by you and your disbelief, do you? He said. Even though I didn't believe in the Lord's Prayer or the kind of belief my supervisor spoke of, I found his words really reassuring. Underneath them was a core theological truth. What matters most is not what you believe, but what inspires your actions. If I live with love, God is content and I am enough. If I do God's work and yet don't believe, it is still God's work. I can be true to myself and still be good. So sitting in that quiet, small, beige room with this muted wallpapers and quiet light, holding that woman's old, shaking, arthritic hand, I said the prayer because I knew that she mattered more than my doubts. Here she was, after all, suffering from aging and illness, loneliness, and likely depression. Here she was, just hoping, in that moment, in the midst of all of that hardship, to connect with her God and with me looking to find some comfort and peace and hope. Who was I to deprive her of that based on some theological quibble of mine? What did my concerns about God have to do with her lifelong faith? It shouldn't have to be about me or what I believed in that moment. It was about caring for her and making sure that she knew That she was loved. Now people don't often think of Unitarian Universalism sharing a great deal in common with the Catholic Church, but this is one instance where I think it did and does. One of our faith's catchphrases is love beyond belief. The idea that we are not united by a theological creed or a doctrine To be a member of our congregations, you don't have to pass some bar of belief. Instead, we're united by our commitment to love and justice and the unity of the human spirit. Here, we can be Christian, even Catholic. We can be Jewish, atheist, a spiritual seeker, a lover of nature or of community, just pure people. And it does not matter so long as we bring ourselves and a desire to be together in love. Unitarian Universalism sees the woman in her small room, in her dim light all alone, and sees not a Catholic, but a human being. The problem is that we live in a society that teaches us from a very early age that religion and belief are the same. How can you be religious and not believe in God is a common question that Unitarian Universalists get. Or what do you mean that people at your church can believe all kinds of different things? What kind of religion is that? The problem has its roots all the way back to the Reformation when Martin Luther and others championed the idea that religion meant being saved through faith rather than By good works. They saw the emphasis on goodness as performative and ultimately fruitless, given how corrupt and sinful they saw us being. The only thing they argued that God cared about was whether we believed and had faith, salvation through faith alone. We can see how this evolved through the centuries manifest today in evangelical notions that only through a personal relationship with jesus christ can we be saved that is the truth the way the truth and the light as people often say we are born again through our relationship with jesus by believing in him Now, my catholic supervisor had thoughts about this too too many christians he said Think that Christianity is like signing a contract with God. Sign here saying that you believe and congrats, you get to go to heaven. It's a great deal. It's pretty easy. As if the mysteries of the universe and God's glory are so easy to be gained. As if the whole thing was just about saving your own skin. My supervisor shook his head. disappointment at this idea. The truth is that religion about just belief is too easy. It lets you embrace self-serving ideas and discourages you from the actual work of religious faith, from thinking and questioning, from going deep cultivating wisdom because it just cares about unwavering faith and critical thinking and study and reflection undermines all of it. I have relatives, as I know that many of you do as well, who see Unitarian Universalists, maybe see you and I know mine see me, as something verging on heretical. They can look down on us with a little bit of pity, maybe a lot of judgment. They are often happily secure in their beliefs about right and wrong. If they're coming from a Christian background, secure in the idea of Jesus as their savior, and that as the thing they need to do. And yet I also know that a lot of these folks don't think too deeply about it. They don't study the Bible. They don't read theological commentaries. They certainly didn't attend divinity school, and some of them don't even go to church. And yet to them, I, and maybe for you, we are the ones that don't understand the truth, the way, and the light, and thus deserve scorn and judgment. Why would you need all that other stuff, they say, if all you need is belief? But there's a tragedy to this kind of religion. The tragedy of a religion based on belief is that it sacrifices what actually really matters. It divides families. It casts out and dismisses those who do not agree. It separates us from each other based on belief, those who believe and those who do not, into the us's and the them's, God's favored, and God's enemies. It disdains diversity, forgets that good people can disagree, and ignores the central fact of human life, that belief is not a choice, but a matter of integrity and conscience. A religion based on belief traps its believers in a simplistic simplistic and rigid and ultimately unfulfilling faith depriving them of a deeper religious wisdom and the gift of broader human relationship, across difference. And of course, it hurts the rest of us, too, because we often experience the pain of exclusion. So this is why our faith, the faith of Unitarian Universalism, has no doctrines and creeds. That's why to be a member here, or of any of our congregations, you don't have to come up here and state what you believe, and fear that maybe you don't quite fit. Here we heed the words of another Catholic, the monk Thomas Merton. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. We can heed the words of G.K. Chesterton who offers that religion should be less of a theory and more of a love affair. And the words of Carl Sagan, for small creatures such as we, the vastness is bearable only through love. He does not say creeds or doctrines or beliefs, love. When I was sitting in that quiet, small room in that nursing home, when I was holding that arthritic, shaking hand of that woman that I prayed with, I thought about what love would have me do. I thought about how my beliefs would have prevented me from caring for her. I thought about how others hung up On their beliefs. They have turned her away, refused her hand, her request for compassion. But love was asking me to see her humanity, to see her looking for comfort, her longing for connection and human touch, searching for a way to connect with the God she'd always known and treasured. I couldn't let belief get in the way of that. And neither should we. And so I prayed. It was the Unitarian Universalist thing to do. As I ended that prayer, she would have thanked me, I think. But she had fallen asleep, dreaming dreams, I hope, of God's unending love for her. I squeezed her hand one last time before finally saying, amen. May we take the hand that is extended to us with love and do likewise, amen.
2: Hi everybody, my name is Ember Kelly. I use she and her pronouns and I'm the director of religious education here at the 4th Universalist Society. Uh, and it's so great to be with you all today and to get to discuss this message with Reverend Schuyler. And Reverend Schuyler, it's good to get to sit down with you once again.
0: Great to be with you, Ember, and everyone watching.
2: Yes. So this message, uh, I liked it. I liked it. I, I liked the theme, the idea, this uh, talking about love, belief. This was uh, very personally meaningful for me. I have to admit, the first thing that it made me think of as I sat down with it was CPE, my own <laughs> CPE experience. Um, would you want to explain um for any of our listeners what exactly CPE is of um, course
0: so th- yeah you're absolutely right amber i didn't explicitly say it because i didn't want to get into the details of this and that but cpe is uh stands for its clinical pastoral education which is a, a general requirement for all um all unitarian universalist clergy and, and many other traditions um this was in a catholic nursing home um, where most of the other students were Catholic seminarians there were a few very conservative Anglicans who were there with me as well. Um, but it was a general principle um, but you basically you're in a hospital, a nursing home, some other chaplaincy setting and your job is to is to be thrown into this uh, this world where you you are there to um, to serve and, and minister to whoever is there um, And so this was a nursing home um, and uh, my job was to, basically walk around um, people's rooms and various parts of it and, and talk to them.
2: My CPE, because of uh, doing an online uh, Chicago MDiv, uh, they actually had found uh, an online certified CPE program uh, that was able to bring me uh, together with people from tons of different traditions from around the country. Uh, mine ended up being with an organization that provided like care to LGBT folks, um, and especially people coming from faith communities with uh, trauma around that. Um, but still, even between that and my own um, internships and in ministry settings, those those visits to the hospital, those intense uh, personal moments there, there's something that's really meaningful and really can uh, shape the way that you think about things.
0: It's really true. I, I'm I'm glad you had that experience, Ember. Um, I think it's it's one of those one of those formative experiences that all those who do ministry go through. Um, a little bit of a little bit of rite of a passage, a little bit of a hazing ritual, um, because it can be really tough. Um, you know, people see people die in front of them. They see people in really traumatic and disturbing situations. Um, and uh, you know the nursing home that I was in was was less disturbing than a lot of other people's who are in hospitals that they have to, you know, minister in the, the NICU or um, you know to other people who've had really sort of sad diagnoses and are, are dying. Um, um, but it's tough. It's a tough place to be, um, but and really transformative because you get to focus on the humanity of people, right? Which is part of what I was exploring in this in this reflection, is that it's not chaplaincy and ministry in its best way and religion. Sort of as, as the foundation of what ministry and chaplaincy are about, uh, you see the humanity and you're, you're called to serve people no matter who they are, what they believe, what their life has been like. Um, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not or believe a certain version of God. Your job is to attend to those people in their vulnerability in those moments.
2: Wow. Um, uh, it's got me feeling like I'm back in CPE right now. Um, and part of the the hazing is also tons and tons of personal reflection that they make you do which is uh, equally as intense as the uh the moments of being there um with people dealing with with intense life circumstances
0: yeah the scripting out for all those who are watching and listening you have to script out conversations that you've had with people and then a group of people basically analyze how you how you did um which is very intense um because you're just trying to do your best and but sometimes you're like gosh i you know did not do very well uh and people tell you and uh and then they get into not just like your experience of that but also like you as a person and your own either ability or inability to deal with um sort of the emotional realities that are in front of you so it gets deep very quickly uh, and you get vulnerable really quickly
2: well if any of this sounds exciting and you're interested in going into ministry reverend <laughs> Dr. are always here to talk um,
0: everyone's stepping away now they're uh, we've scared people <laughs> off
2: Um, But so the other personal aspect that really hit home for me with this was was thinking about uh, just in the the title and the way that you described it when we were talking about the time for all ages, uh, is thinking about uh, growing up in a much more fundamentalist household where faith was the more important, where the beliefs that you had were the grounding thing, where anybody that, you know, a Unitarian Universalist would have been a heretic by the standards that I have growing up. Um, And... (laughs) <laughs> um, that that I I would have been like, whoa, that is evil. You know, definitely going to hell sort of thing. If you're if you're going to that kind of church, how can they why do they even call themselves a religion? Those would have been the things that I was was thinking about in this context. Uh, and when I came out as trans, I quickly found myself going from the promising young ministry student to um, the you, there's no way that you can even be considered Christian. You can even like, why why are you here if you're if you're trans, like, why are you being open about this? Isn't this something you should hide? Um, and and dealing with lots of family that that chose to hold on to beliefs over, over coming to terms with uh, who I am. Um, and it's been complicated. But you know I think that um, a lot of the healing has been coming to terms with um, how belief can be used in, in beautiful ways, like the way that you share in this message, like how love and action. Uh, is so much more important than the rigid systems of dogma. Um, but so I, I imagine that's a, a similar experience for a lot of queer folks and a lot of people just dealing with, with difference, that uh, belief can be used as this bludgeon uh, on them.
0: It's a very powerful bludgeon. And it's a very easy one to wield uh, cruelly and carelessly, um, because it's so easy, right, to put people in power to define what, what true belief is, and then to make Judgments as to whether a belief is true or not, or, not, or behavior is true enough or not, um, and I think that's one of the dangers, right? And that's why that's why Unitarian universalism has been so uh, historically uh, non creedal and also bursting these boundaries of who belongs and who matters, because if it's if we're not in a position to judge a person's belonging with us, um, if there's not a set, you know, if there's not a, a a set sort of creeds you have to subscribe to to be part of here, um, or no, you know, no entry test essentially to say that you're part of this community. Then you know you're not in that place of judging. Um, you're not putting yourself into that place of, uh, are you worthy to be here? Are you that kind of person who should be here? Um, and I think you know one of the quotes I have in this sermon is this idea of, of you know deferring judgment, right, or or not being in a place of judgment. Um, I there's another great quote that's like. That goes along the lines of um, what is love, if not um, uh, refusing to judge um, someone. You know, there's there are there are ways of of being a Unitarian Universalist that allow that frees us from our addiction to constantly evaluate others um, on a scale of good or bad or right and wrong, um, and that's very liberating. Not just for the people who aren't being judged anymore, but also for ourselves because ultimately what we're doing when we talk about, when we feel judgment towards others, we are also putting ourselves on that scale uh, and and holding ourselves to some standard that ultimately, I think deep inside, if we're honest with ourselves, oppresses us too.
2: I think as somebody like, can I still say new after after a year and uh, almost a half now? (laughs) But as someone newer, to Unitarian Universalism, uh, I think one of the, the beautiful things about the eight principles, is, and I talked about it in the Time for All Ages, is that these are about uh, actions, like the the ways that we live versus. So it's something that brings us together. Like we, it seems that Unitarian Universalism, uh, with these principles, acknowledges that it's our our actions that really connect us as humans and in community in a healthy and loving and caring way. You know, like believing that everybody deserves a voice, believing that everybody has value, and um, working to dismantle systems of oppression, these are all, um, yes, they're ideas, but they're also things that we can easily act on. And I think that that's a, a beautiful thing about the eight principles. Yeah,
0: I absolutely. And that's the difference of why the principles are not a creed, right? Because they they're... They are about our values and the, but they're also about they're about how we are together as human beings, both in congregations but also the world. Um, and I think they're, they're in some ways a prescription for how what right living looks like. Um, you know if we were to follow the eight principles well, the kind of world that we would want to live in would be, uh, would be accomplished to some degree I mean, not perfectly and uh, that's part of why they're not creeds. We don't they're not set in stone. We add principles, we t- edit them, we take them away. But they're a, they're a roadmap that we can follow for how we should be together um, and, and sort of the goals we should be pursuing rather than a prescription of intellectual commitment um, or, or heart even heart commitment, right? Um, it's not about whether you feel, it, feel good about it um, or you think it's true. It's acting this way um, as, you know, as if people have inherent worth and dignity.
2: Well, Reverend Schuyler, thank you for this message. Thank you for this time to sit down and chat. If folks do want to learn about UU history, uh, if you're watching this on Sunday through Wednesday um, before November 11th, uh, we have an event on Thursday night talking about UU history. Uh, if you're watching it after, uh, feel free to tune into the video and podcast recording of the event as well. Um, so you have that to, to be able to check out. If you want to learn a little bit more about these principles and about the UU world and where it came from, uh, and then next week, uh, I gather we, I, I will also be talking with someone a little bit different than than you. Um, it's been a few you weeks will. and a different guest.
0: Well, you've been, you've had me for the last few weeks. Um, next week, um, we will be having our field education intern from Union Theological Seminary, Ben Haney, who has been working with me uh, and, and Ember as well and other things, To I will be giving his very first sermon. Uh, we'll be working it uh, working through it this coming week to make sure it's great um and uh we'll be there all three of us will be there for the for the service helping lead it um uh, next sunday but come and support him um you know let him know that he feel that he this is a
2: trusting loving environment that's supportive and we hope we hope it's hope he will thank you all for listening as well and hope to see many of you next week for our uh, sermon with ben